eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. It is a slow time. Things kind of ended abruptly. We got the February dead period in effect. Penn State does have a new defensive line coach. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. Tyler's on vacation. Bryce Mostella joined him for an interview, so he, you're going to hear him at the end of the show. But pretty much that, we're just uh, we're just kind of riffing here on a Friday morning. Uh, excuse me? Sorry, I, I'm honestly a little sick, but I was more sick of you taking so long to introduce me. Are we going to get to the headline here, or are you just going to bear the lead? Wow. Wow. So, what, a year and a half off, and now all of a sudden i got to lay down for you just to uh, to introduce you back to your own podcast that you're being on for the first time since uh, since you left us? Yeah, i got to say, I was curious how the intro would go, because I know that was always my forte and involved you usually rolling your eyes to the point where I was worried they would get stuck up there. Um, but my eyes are fixed. That was pretty good. Tyler's on vacation. Uh, sources tell me he, he needed a vacation as much from from uh, kind of the work environment as he did just the actual work. But I, I think that's uh, it's understandable because now he's, he's at the point as I was when I when I left. It's funny that you're saying that because you are broadcasting from South Beach right now. So I, I really don't want to hear it. <laughs> I am live from the Clevelander. It's uh, the Lions 24-7 podcast. Um Beautiful down here in Miami, as you expect, was just here for the Super Bowl, and the plan was to take the girlfriend down at the end of that week. But shocker, when you're paying your own way during Super Bowl week, uh, it's really expensive. So I said, let's just come back in a couple weeks and do like a long Valentine's Day weekend. So we got in Thursday night. Um, don't ask me what happened um, because those details are a little fuzzy. Uh, and it's, uh, it's been a really great start. So uh, I'm glad to be spending Valentine's Day here with you, Sean. South Beach will do that too. Yeah, you're right. This is Valentine's Day. Um, obviously, neither of us spending time with our significant other right now, but we do appreciate. And for those of you that aren't familiar, because we've we've grown so much since you left, not because you left, but partially because you left. But this is Andrew Callahan. Uh, he, of course, was with us for uh, a significant amount of time. One, you know, he, he he came. Penn State won a Big Ten championship. Uh, went to the Fiesta Bowl. You know that whole thing, and then he left and kind of fell off the table. And Penn State left, uh, lost to Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. So, pretty much all your fault from that aspect. But you, of course, moved on to bigger and better things, covering the Patriots now uh, and doing a fantastic job. And 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 I can't. Uh, we we can do our little shtick here, but. Uh, to see how much you've uh, evolved since you've left is just an awesome thing. And I know a lot of Penn State fans still follow you. So thank you for coming on and, and talking Penn State, talking whatever, and just generally messing around with us on, on the podcast. And and it's a podcast that you essentially started. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. That, that means a lot. It's always good to be back. I'd honestly be waiting for an invite 
and uh, you know I love you, and and obviously a lot of the people that we meet and hang out with on the boards, uh, whether you know tailgate or just a weekly um, chat, because I had to knock out my uh, message board post quota. Um, though it was always actually good chatting with them. So this has been fun. I have been trying to keep up with Penn State as much as I can from afar because, of course, you love to have that, you know, you don't want that knowledge to go to waste. But, of course, that's uh, dwindling by the year, along with hoops, which, you know, I still remember a few of those players, but I'll just get that out at the start. Go for Penn State. Good job for them. Happy that they're going to be in the tournament. Um, but for football, man, there's been a lot of turnover. I was shocked to see Spencer Levy, as you mentioned, new defensive line coach. Um, and he's not the only system who's gone, right? Yeah, they've got a new offensive coordinator, new wide receivers coach, new offensive line coach from Boston College, Phil Troutwine. Uh, obviously, spent a, a bunch of time up your way, um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a season of uh, of change. Uh, last off season, which was your first off season, not with Penn State or covering Penn State. A lot of turnover from a player perspective, so there's been a lot of turnover since you left. You did make it down for the whiteout game. Of course, uh, we're going to get to your, your Pat Fryermuth story here in a bit, but you, you saw Penn State beat Michigan. You sat right beside me and watched the whole game. Uh, I guess from, from afar, give me, give me your thoughts on Penn State, what, what, what you saw this year. Um, you know, where do you think that they could, you could potentially go for just based on the talent that you've seen? Really exciting team uh, and game. And I think what you saw was just obviously the most athletic Penn State team since James Franklin took over and, and perhaps, you know, maybe even historically just considering where we are in terms of sports science and player development and how much more we know and the technology we have to develop kids. Um, so extremely fast on defense. I think it was difficult to see and, and too much to expect to Sean Clifford in his first year as a starter, just a redshirt sophomore, to be able to step up and deliver wins, I think, in the games where obviously Penn State faltered. And ultimately, you know, that, that lack of a dynamic passing game might have been holding them back. But he proved that not only is, you know, we joke about Gritty, and I remember all the white guy kind of cliches we'd throw around on purpose, but, you know, he does have that kind of I will do anything to win this game. And I think you saw that with McSorley when he was here, and that really helps you when third and eight, when he's got a scramble and he's going to lay out head first to go get those yards. So his ability to run and also that willingness and, and determination, I think, helped the offense along. But they just missed kind of a dynamic talent. And if it wasn't going to be a quarterback, you're going to need that at other positions, like Penn State, of course, had with Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin when he was here, and it just didn't happen. And that's fine because the gap is not only just, you know, uh, Penn State – to Ohio State, but it's basically everyone in the Big Ten right now and Ohio State. That being said, where the program is, the consistent success, I think this is a great reminder of you can have a successful season and not up in the playoffs. you got to know where you've come from in order to appreciate where you are. They should still continue to appreciate where they're going and trending positively. Um, so a good season. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of leap Sean Clifford can take because I'm sure everyone is going to look and go, hey, LSU had Joe Burrow, who was supposedly just kind of this, you know, sure established thing who took a massive leap in his final year there, you know, as a starter. So what can Clifford do to maybe carry Penn State in areas where they're going to have a drop off from this past season? That's funny because they the, were having that exact uh, conversation on the message board right now. We're talking about what Kirk Sharaka can do, but you know, it, it's the elephant in the room that really nobody wants to talk about that Clifford, you know, a lot of this is going to be on him. I think a lot of people expect uh, Sharaka to come in, snap his fingers, and, and all of a sudden you've got uh, Tanner Morgan going to do his thing. And I apologize for the background noise. I was going to say, um, was he but, pushing uh, a button right there? Was that him actually he, like he, snapping his fingers? What? That's what he did. He just pushed the button and Sean Clifford's better now. So everybody rejoice. 
something that Penn State does have going for them. And you've been on this beat uh, since the beginning, obviously, because of your background. Pat Fryermuth, a uh, phenomenal tight end, uh, going to be a draft guy next year. You wrote the big feature during the bye week, um, which was fantastic. And I do recommend you probably retweeting it at some point. But uh, yeah, I mean, Pat Fryermuth, how much do you think, uh, how much has he evolved since, I guess, you started covering him? And where do you think he, he sits in that upper echelon of tight ends in, uh, in college football? Yeah, it's funny. I think you see more often players in college football that are recognized as the top of their position. And then when it rolls around and it comes time for the draft, you go, oh, why aren't they ranked as highly? Like, you know, and I think his case last year was probably the opposite, where he was not recognized as the top tight end of the country. And I think probably deservedly so, but certainly should have been in the finalist there for the Mackey Award. Wasn't. And I think had he come out, he would have been at least a mid-round draft pick. Now, maybe not a first or second. He's, of course, chosen to return. I think that was a smart move, but he's a really, really good player. I remember talking actually just before I left because I, I uh, went just before that 2018 season saying, I think he's going to have an early impact because, hey, there's, you know, question mark there. Jonathan Holland was the supposed projected starter, but also this is the kid who had an extra year in prep school. So he's physically more developed. I know James has, has kind of beaten that into the ground and, and acknowledged it and that's, you know, kind of given Pat his edge here. But He's also just a true two-way tight end, and I think those are rare, whether you're looking at college or the NFL. So for him to be able to block, he's got elite size. He's, he's getting stronger. Um, of course, he's a dynamic threat downfield, and his route tree is growing. If he can kind of add a little bit more dynamicism after the catch, I mean, then you're really talking about complete tight end and like a top 100 draft pick. You've got uh, Pat Fryermuth on offense. You were here for the uh, the Micah Parsons saga as a recruit. I mean, have you watched? I mean, do, are you seeing what everyone else is seeing? How he's blown up, and now he's one of the best college football players in the country. Oh, for sure. And those are just you know people. Uh, we're getting better at the rankings. I said you guys are getting better at the rankings because I'm no longer two four seven. But you just don't miss on the kids that you know were that high. I think number three overall, wherever he was, top five, five star kid. Um, so I, it was interesting to see how he transitioned from playing with his hand in the dirt for so long at the DN in high school and now to be a full-time linebacker and learning the position where there's a lot more reading going on. Uh, there's just more on your, your mental plate. So, yeah, he, he's, he's absolutely dynamic, and it would be a shocker to me if he, if he didn't leave after that junior season. Not reporting anything, um, but, you know, he, he, he's quite good. You heard it here first. Andrew Callahan de- declared for the draft. Uh, is there anybody else you're covering pros now? So you're obviously in draft mode, combine mode, all that stuff. Is there anybody else from that roster last year that really catches your eye? I know you recently spoke with, with Daniel Jeremiah, the draft whiz. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Penn state's roster, Penn state's past roster and, and guys, how they how any, does anybody really project to the NFL in your eyes? Yeah, I'll just pass along whatever Daniel Jeremiah said, because I mean, he's been watching them year round and I have, you know, of course, I'm familiar with, with KJ Hamler. We talked about Robert Windsor. We talked about Eter Gross Matos. Um, and I think I'm missing one in there, so feel free to jump in and let me know. But basically, his point was he really, really liked K.J. Hamler. He noted the team speed overall has gotten much better. Franklin has been there longer, and you can see that they prioritize not only speed but also length, especially defensively. And now some of these kids who are coming into a program that was established after 2016, you know, there's an expectation and kind of a prototype of a variety of these positions. Cam Brown was another name. We didn't talk a whole lot about Cam Brown. Uh, but he did really love K.J. Hamler. And he's a top 50 prospect for him. It's just what he can do, obviously, with his speed. But it's that package of quickness. I mean, people always talk about Tyree Hill, fastest guy in the NFL. The problem isn't his long speed. It's that his quickness matches that in terms of how elite it is. So Hamler's similar, obviously a little bit slight. You want him to get a little bit bigger. So he could step in right away as a return man, particularly on punts. 
Uh, certainly kickoff should be a possibility, and eventually he's a full-time slot receiver. He was not as high on the Ytor Gross Matos, uh, which to me was interesting, and I don't think he's wrong in the sense, and one of the issues he raised was just the constant level of effort, and as someone who did not watch every down of Penn State football, I can't question that, but I think what I could question, I agreed with him on, is that he comes in, you know, as a guy that you start listing his traits, and his greatest strengths are his you know, he's a dynamic athlete, but he plays a little bit upright, and how can he use those tools? It's not his wide array of pass rush moves. You know, it's not his ability to set up offensive tackles. It's just he's very big, and he's fast, and he's a great athlete. But to Daniel Jeremiah, it didn't translate necessarily down to down as where he's currently being projected. So obviously a very good player. He's going to be a top pick, but you just kind of worry relative to some of the other pass rushers that he eventually might get washed out if that effort doesn't get up to 100%. And he does a little bit more than just being bigger and faster because that can work at high school, certainly college to a degree, but it's just not going to happen for him down to down in the NFL. Yeah, everybody's big and fast at that level. So I tell you what, it's Valentine's Day. Um, we're, we're uh, you wanted to do stupid Penn State power rankings? I said no. I'm sorry about that. Um, you tried to get Tom Brady on the show. It didn't work. Uh, Tom's a little busy for us, us at this point, but we really appreciate you ha- having you on here and having you back. We want to get you back more often, uh, more so than just when uh, Tyler goes on vacation. But uh, thanks a lot, man, for joining us. It's always a pleasure. I know we talk pretty regularly anyway, but it's always a pleasure, and I'm sure our, our listeners are happy to hear you once again. Yeah, no, I, I really, really appreciate that. It, it, I know I said it earlier, but it truly means a lot. And, uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free to have me on Twitter. I'm uh, not really on the boards anymore, but we could also uh, maybe carve out a time later uh, as things uh, progress. I can come back and say what's up. Or, you know what I'll do? I'll probably jump in there during uh, like a hoops thread uh, and just kind of say what's up uh, for one of these uh, Indian threads. But, yeah, we'll definitely make it work, and I, I'd be happy to come back anytime. I mean, it's a good time to do it. The the hoops uh, is just reaching its crescendo right now. I'm sure you're going to be interested in March Madness, but that's Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald, formerly of Lions 24-7, uh, come a long way in a, lo- in a short amount of time, and he's doing awesome things. Uh, thanks, thanks again for joining us, Andrew. Of course. How about that? So that'll do it for part one of the podcast. I'm going to ride solo here for a few minutes. Not really much to talk about, but some important news this week. Penn State named John Scott Jr., I guess it was over the weekend. Penn State named John Scott Jr., former defensive line coach at South Carolina, to the same position to replace Sean Spencer at Penn State. I, I mean, it, let's be honest. They went after Elijah Robinson very hard. Didn't work out there. That would have been the grand slam hire. Elijah's one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. Obviously, he's got the connections to Penn State and things like that. Pivoted, went a couple different ways, got some NFL interest, as we mentioned on the show last week, but really circled back around to the college jobs. A couple of guys interviewed for college jobs. We talked about that on the site. Uh, John Scott Jr. really, uh, among those guys in my research, uh, moved to the top of that list. He's got that longtime uh, friendship with Brent Pry. He worked with him at Georgia Southern. He's a graduate assistant for him at Louisiana Lafayette. And and really just a guy that everybody that you talk to has, has really good things to say about him um, just from a technical standpoint. And going back uh, to what I wrote on Lions247.com, this one's going to seem a lot like the Taylor Stubblefield hire because you're going to hear a lot about uh, uh, technician and, and, and things like that, whereas – you know, some of these other guys are more renowned recruiters. Of course, Sean Spencer, very good technician in his own right, very good recruiter in his own right. John Scott, we really haven't seen his recruiting chops so far, so I'm curious to see how he handles it. Uh, he's got connections in, in the Carolinas and Atlanta. You know, he's been all over the place, was at Arkansas. 
was at uh, South Carolina for just a year. So he's moved around a little bit like Stubblefield. South Carolina just signed five-star in-state prospect Jordan Birch. Uh, Scott was a piece of that. He really wasn't the lead guy or anything like that. He wasn't the reason that, that Birch picked South Carolina. But, I mean, let's be honest, if he's a defensive lineman, he's going to take into account who the defensive line coach is at that particular school. So that's good. I think there's there's layers to him as a recruiter. Um, he's been in on some guys. He's he's gotten some guys committed. Uh, I don't know that he's a just knockdown, dragout stud, but I think that'll – you know, that's something that when his personality continues to evolve, when he gets a different logo on his jacket, those are the things that can, you know, help him take off. So really, very much a wait and see um, development on the recruiting aspect from a coaching aspect. I uh, heard some good things on him. I posted some stuff on Lions 24-7, uh, talked to some coaches in South Carolina. Um technique fundamentals are things that just uh, continue to pop up. I think that there's a very high opinion of this guy, you know, at least at the high school level down there and, and really down in South Carolina. Um, it, it's a very tight-knit community among the high school coaches, and that's something that's that's been the same ever since I got into the business back in 2006. I mean, they've always, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very, I don't want to call them an exclusive club, but it's a very... Uh, uh, continuous situation among those high school coaches. So once you're in, that's a good thing. And, and it seemed like John Scott was in. So uh, will Penn State continue to, or will Penn State really break into the Carolinas? I don't know that that's something that's going to come right away. Um, but he does have uh, does have relationships down there. Um, you know, I, I liked him. I mean, I, I, obviously you keep going back to Elijah Robinson and thinking what if, and and really there's not much you can do about that at that at this point. Texas A&M, you know, it's got uh, it's got appeal to it. It's definitely got dollar sign appeal to it. Um, you know, and you can't blow up your staff with uh, your your staff budget by just going after a position coach. And I think that's something that came into play here for James Franklin. So Scott is a guy. Well, you know, probably not an upgrade from Sean Spencer. You're not going to find too many guys that are upgrades from Sean Spencer. So uh, I, I I like the hire in all that had uh, I guess in all that goes with it and that that's you're probably not going to update uh, upgrade from Sean Spencer but so far you found a fit you found a guy that has connections to your staff and and you're going to go from there moving on and this is what you get with a solo podcast just me talking to myself which I'm sure is enthralling but uh five combine invites for Penn State this week KJ Handler Cam Brown Yeter Gross Matos Robert Windsor and John Reed really no surprises in the bunch uh, I I think probably Cam Brown's the guy that can benefit the most from this um, I think he's going to test well. Uh, really, it's going to come down to one team's going to fall in love with his size. I mean, his tape is up and down. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential for today's NFL game. So I think he's probably the guy that's going to move up the most. Uh, in terms of the snubs, n- nothing really crazy. I mean, Blake Gilligan, I think, deserved to be there. I think they invited seven punters uh, or, or something of that nature. So to, uh, surprising that he wasn't considered in that in that uh, ultra elite group. I mean, he's a punter at the combine. I'm not sure what you're going to get out of from 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 uh, from that standpoint. The guy that it probably hurts the most, Nick Bowers, and I know he wasn't a starter. I've uh, been saying it for a long time. Nick Bowers is an NFL player. He's going to find his way into camp at somehow. He's also going to test well. He's a he's a pretty, more than more athletic than uh, you know. A lot of people will give him credit for. So I I, I think that him missing out on the combine, having to re- rely on pro day, just takes one element out of. Uh, you know, his potential move up the boards. I still think that he's a potential draft kid, and I think that uh, teams are going to like what they see from him at Pro Day. Uh, Recruiting, not a ton going on right now. Uh, Evan Pryor, a really good running back out of North Carolina. uh, Top six, Penn State, Ohio State, North Carolina, Georgia, Oklahoma, USC. 
going to take some visits after the dead period. Penn State's sitting pretty well on this one. Uh, his sister goes to, to school at uh, University Park, so he's been up a bunch. He's going to be up after the dead period. Hasn't really set that date yet, but uh, it's going to happen. And, you know, you look at this, um, this pretty loaded top six. North Carolina's obviously doing really well right now under under Mac Brown. They've got uh, a, a bunch of that in-state momentum that you get off the new coach bump. They had a better year than you you would have expected given the roster that he inherited, so they're doing a pretty good job down there. Ohio State's always been in the mix. Georgia's been a school that he's been to a few times. Oklahoma and USC are probably going to get official visits if it goes that far. Um, don't really see those two you know, being heavily in the mix. Clemson was not uh, in the mix here. Oregon not in the mix here as well. Um, two kind of mild surprises, I guess. He went out to Oregon, I, I believe, with Dante Thornton and Caleb Williams. Had a great time out there, and they ended up not making the cut, so... You know, if you're looking for, I guess, a silver lining in this one, it's that, you know, he, he has been tight with Thornton throughout the process. He has been tight with Caleb Williams. You know, they've bumped into uh, each other in a couple different places. So Oregon not being on the list is, there is good, more so for Thornton. I think Thornton really, really likes Oregon and what that uh, brings to the table. So just kind of a ripple effect with kind of who you know and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> since we took so long, or since I took so long, I'm not you know, throwing anyone else under the bus here, to get this podcast up, we had a decommitment. We had a recommitment. Uh, Nate Bruce from Harrisburg, you know, popped up on Sunday morning that uh, he was no longer committed to Penn State. Oh, a phone call later, and all of a sudden he's back in the uh, in the fold here. So, not a ton of excitement with that one. It was it was surprising. I mean, I, I get the text on Sunday morning, and I was like, I, I don't get it. Um, you look at his offer list, and he's got uh, five to ten offers. I think Virginia Tech's probably the biggest one. I think Rutgers is. With the new staff has been talking to him a bunch. Um, you got Matt Limegrover in Michigan, but Michigan hasn't offered. Um, so you know it, it, it kind of, and you hate saying this. You look at it and you saw what happened. You've got the coaching turnover with Phil Troutwine coming in for Limegrover, and you think did he maybe was he suggested to get out the door? That wasn't the case. I mean, I checked in with some people Sunday morning and they said, "Now we love him. We want him in a class." Uh, he's a he's a guard, obviously. So this is you know going to it's going to harken back to the the ghost of R.J. Adams because really guards, you know, <laughs> no offense to guards, but they don't have the as much versatility and therefore don't have as much value in the class. So, you know, there, there are reasons that you would think that, but that was not the case. Uh, you know, he, he told me straight up he had heard from other schools. Other schools had talked to him about uh, offering if he decommitted or, you know, if he decommitted, his ranking would go up and he kind of fell into that little trap and uh, you know, it happens. He's 17 year old kids. It's, it's part of the part of the journey, I guess. Uh, but that was an interesting Sunday, and, and he's back on board, Penn State, with three commitments. Uh, of course, Nick, Nick Alksness is, is the tight end from Florida. You know, He visited Florida a couple of weeks ago, so you got to watch that one. Liam Clifford out in Ohio. I uh, don't really see that one changing as long as Sean's having a good time here, and it seems like he is. So uh, recruiting-wise, the you know February is going to be slow, no visits or anything like that, but they're going to hit the ground running in March. Spring practice is going to start after spring break, which uh, you know is that uh, ninth to fifteenth week or, or or whatnot, and then they're going to get into it and then get back into hosting visitors every weekend, hosting visitors for the scrimmages and blue white games and all that kind of stuff, and get back into the spring that we kind of know. Um, in terms of momentum, I mean, you you're really not seeing anything until that March period, maybe early April. Uh, that end of March into April period is going to be big with Landon Tangwa, and as I've said before. That's going to be big for the rest of the class. So, I mean, it's uh, if if you're looking for exciting recruiting stuff right now, it's probably not the time for you. This whole dead period has kind of blown things up and and sort of uh, uh, moved this calendar all around, and 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 this is the this is the product that we're getting.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. As promised, we have Bryce Mastella out of Michigan, Grand Rapids, East Kentwood High School. And he is, as we speak now, about 48 hours away from arriving in Happy Valley as an official college student athlete. Bryce, I'm not sure when this recording is going to air in our podcast. You'll probably already be enrolled on campus. But how does that sound, a Penn State student athlete, Bryce Mastella? It sounds amazing. It's just, you know, just the jump from being a recruit to commit to signing and then just eventually just being enrolled and being on campus and being a part of things. It's just spectacular, honestly. You were uh, an earlier commit in this class. There was a lot of change in the summer. Uh, you were a guy who jumped on board during that. Trust me, we'll get to the commitment video in a bit, but what was it, <laughs> what was it like to watch this class grow and grow and, and get to the point where you add Theo Johnson, a guy who was also on our podcast, you know, in the last few weeks and get the 27 signees how was that experience for you, seeing this class and building those bonds? Um, it was definitely interesting because, like, actually, funny story, when I actually committed, when I told Coach Franklin I committed, and then I was added into the group chat, I was about the 12th guy. But by the time I actually announced my commitment, I ended up being the 20th guy. So just in that small span of time, just so many guys came in. Like, I, I thought I was going to be the new guy, and there was just so so many people coming in, you know, just meeting a bunch of new guys, and it's great. Like, they're just all great character, very high character people. You know, great to great to know, and it's just it's just like very it's very pleasant. You committed on uh, July fifth publicly. When did you actually commit to Coach Franklin? I believe it'll probably be in like early June, maybe like June eleventh. Was it hard to keep that? I mean, a lot of people are, are in a hurry to share their news these days, whether it's reporters like me or, or recruits like you. Was it difficult to kind of keep that under your hat for a few weeks? No, I was definitely I was definitely uh, okay with waiting because I was like, – I obviously knew I was going to go there and, like, we had, like, our agreement. But, like, I was just – like, I, I was fine, like, knowing me personally and my family knowing. Like, I was just already relieved from the process being over in general. I think we've gone far enough. The commitment video. How early in your life did you know you wanted to do something like that in the recruiting process? Was it something that, that you knew you wanted to kind of take that approach regardless of where you were going to commit? Or was it something that after you committed, you started to fabricate that a little bit? Oh, well, definitely. Um, it, was, it wasn't something like I expected when I just first started the process because I'm not, I'm not very outspoken public publicly usually like that's like you like how I used to be I wasn't very I wasn't very out there you know I was just thinking of like I'd commit you know I'd make a like a commit picture 
but then like I just started I started breaking out of my shell and then one day I was watching I was going through Twitter and I saw like three commitment videos that were the same exact thing you know just football drills and then some narration spliced in and I was just like I was I wasn't annoyed but it it bothered me that like it felt like football players were being boxed in into this one thing especially high school football players like being at this age like feeling like it feels like everyone feels like they have to do that thing. So then as soon as that happened, I knew once I made my video, it was going to have nothing to do with football. It was just going to be something that I wanted to do. And it was just going to be extremely fun to me. Now, for, for those listeners out there who have no idea what we're talking about, do yourself a favor, go to Google, go to whatever your search bar is, type in Bryce Mostella commitment video. I'm sure it will pop up for you. What what exactly? Take us through the play by play of that video. I know this was a while back, but w- was there some collaboration with friends here, or was this you staying up late one night writing it all down and saying, "Let's make it happen"? Oh, it was just me staying up. Late. I mean, my sister helped me shoot the video, but as far as writing, it was me. I was staying up late. I was writing just multiple scripts just to see like which one I liked the best, see which one would like just mesh with me, and then it just went to the. It just like went to like the multiple versions of me, just like just indicating you know what's going on in my head throughout the process, and like just taking what was going on inside my head and putting it on a canvas. It was appreciated on this end. I thought it was something different. And you bring up a good point. We have a lot of football to talk about with you. And, and when you get to campus and, and the next few years, we'll be talking about football with you. But uh, you're right. You know, we shouldn't box in young athletes and young men like yourself. So tell me, beyond the football field, what do we need to know about Bryce Mostella? Well, honestly, I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, a, a fun-loving guy. You know, I'm a little outside the box, obviously, from the video. You know, I just, I think differently. You know, I have a different way of going about life than people usually do. You know, and that's actually one of the reasons I went to Penn State because I feel like, I felt like, not that they understood it because like nobody has to understand it, but they accepted the fact that people, like even the players, when I was around the players, just like they accepted like that different outlooks on life were just okay. And, you know, it just, it just made me feel very at home there. I, I mean, you have to be my favorite Twitter follow of the class, Bryce. I, I'm just referencing your most recent tweet. I'm, I'm going to quote you here about 75% of a pet's life is diligently searching for comfortable spots in a habitat they are already familiar with. That's not that's not exactly tweeting out your huddle film. That's not exactly uh, you know uh, retweeting some kind of fo- football news or whatever like we see across the timeline. And there's a bunch of those, and 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 they keep popping up, and and I love it. How have how have your teammates, future teammates, and and your co- fellow commitments along the way? How have they kind of gotten to know you? And 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 you know, did it take a little while to, to break the ice with some of those guys? Because like you said, you're not a guy who's going to just step up and and want to talk about X's and and talk about lifting weights all day right um well first like probably the easy like the easiest person to get along with probably that i've ever met nick dawkins very charismatic like i remember right before i committed like he dm me and we just talked for a bit so like we kind of we sort of bonded off the rip but as for the rest of the guys like we're in the group chat and you know they're just talking about things like i like i and then like i'd, I'd advance the conversation normally but then i throw a little bit of bryce in there just to just to see how they just see how they grasp it, you know. And if they if they kept grabbing at it, like eventually, like maybe like a month in, I just went full Bryce. 
And then, you know, it's just they're receiving it well. You know, just a great group of guys, like I said. There you go. Uh, and, and, and Bryce, what sold you on Penn State uh, from a football standpoint? You know, correct me if I'm wrong. We've got you listed, I believe, at six foot seven, two hundred thirty-five pounds. Is that accurate? Is that in the ballpark? Yeah. Oh well, he, the obvious comparison was Etor Grossmontos, which you know is very is a very generous generous compliment to make. And obviously, there's no like, there's never any like promise playing time with Penn State, but they're talking about you know if. Like, I just have to work hard, you know, get better, you know, get bigger, you know, get gain weight, and then learn the playbook, you know. And if I do that, like, I can hopefully be in as good of a position as he was. Considering your size, I'm assuming you've always been one of the bigger kids among your peers and, and, and now one of the bigger 17, 18, 19-year-olds uh, going to college in your class. But did it take a while to find the right fit on the football field because of that size? Did it, was it some trial and error at other positions? Oh, uh, definitely. I remember rocket football. I played running back for a while. Whoa. And I think, yeah, and I think I played linebacker for a bit. And then by my eighth grade, my eighth grade season, I did, like, I was on the football team. I played defensive tackle, but I did not, like, touch the field. Like, the coach didn't play me at all. So I didn't end up playing until ninth grade. And that's when they put me at, they were primarily, they primarily had me at offensive tackle. But then they also put me at defensive end, and that's when I discovered it. I was like, wow, you know, defensive end is pretty fun. And, you know, that's when I started to more grow into that position. Now, your father uh, knows something about playing defense, from what I gather. Uh, All-SEC linebacker at Auburn back in the 90s. Was this something that was ingrained from you from an early age? Were you always encouraged to pursue a football career? And what do you gain from his experiences, not just as a recruit, but as a player, and understanding what it's going to take the next three, four, five years to, to reach the next level of your career? Oh, well, my, like both my parents just have been very supportive. Like they've, like they've never made me feel like football is something I've had to do. Like they made me like me, like I told them I want to do it. And they're very, and they're very supportive of me wanting to do it. Like at a young age, I remember it was like second grade. Like I asked if I could play football. Like I was, it was never like something that was really like ingrained because, like, my dad, like, he doesn't even really talk about football that much. But, like, it wasn't – so it wasn't ingrained in me. But, you know, once I started, they are very supportive. And then, like, he would, like – you know, he'd give me tips and everything. And then, you know, he just tells me about the work ethic it takes, you know, just the just the gap from high school to college. And then just being able to – and just, like, the mentality you need. Just, uh, just, like, having an alpha dog, like, whether that's in the weight room, in the classroom and on the field, obviously, just just keeping it just keeping it up at for a hundred percent of the time. Now, when you get to Penn State, you're going to hit that weight room, and and your body's going to start to change, and, and all that's going to go down. But I'm sure you've been developing at, at the high school level and preparing for this opportunity for a while now. In what ways are you most notably different leaving your high school versus walking into your high school a few years back? When I came into high school, I was six five. 170 pounds so I was uh, I was pretty I'm still skinny now I'm still undersized but um back then I was I was horribly skinny like it was it was kind of painful to look at so, oh my um, <laughs> so um yeah I still I still had like I had like I had okay sized legs but like since then like I probably just gotten big all around just like making myself like even though I'm still skinny like I said just more like sturdy like more like I, I look like a football player now. Like I used to look like a basketball player, which was kind of the worst. 
because then people would always like try to get me to play basketball. But like now, like I look like a football player, and that's like important to me. And just wait until we see you at the blue white game in April. I'm sure you're going right. to take a, make a big leap between now and then as well. Now, what, what was the key to that success? I'm always curious, what was the caloric intake like for you and what was the go-to meal? Oh, it was crazy. I ate like four burritos a day. Like my mom, she's, she's way into health. So like she, she'd make me like, she'd make me like these burritos, like just loaded with like superfoods. Like I wouldn't, I don't know anything about what's in them, like beans and stuff. But anyways, like she made them for me and then I would eat them. I'd probably eat like four a day, like at least, like most days I eat, I'd eat six. And then like I'd have protein shakes. Most days you'd eat six burritos. Yes. Impressive. That's that's pretty impressive. Through your recruitment process, you had a, a, you know twenty plus scholarship offers over the course of this thing. How many schools at the end of, when you're trying to get to a decision were really in play for you, and why was Penn State the choice at the end of the day? Um, at the like, I felt like I did a good job of like whittling down my process as I was going on, like as like as I was still going through my freshman sophomore year. Like I'd go places and I'd see things, and I'd be like. I'd be like, okay, I like, I like these places. These places are in like this particular, esch- particular echelon, and like, I don't think these places meet that criteria. So like, I always like kept my groups pretty small. So at the end, it was Penn State and Iowa, and uh, just what gave Penn State the edge is just like I felt like I felt like Penn State like they that like they think big, like they think like like they're not thinking Big Ten championships, they're thinking national championships, and they're not thinking making me the best pass rusher in the Big Ten, they're thinking, making me the best pass rusher in the country. Like, it's just, there's there's so much, like, because, you know, academics speak for themselves, football speaks for itself. Like, I think, I saw a graphic today, I think it's their fifth year in a row with 40-plus sacks. It's just crazy. I felt like for my development, you know, as as a person, too, because I, I love those coaches to death, as a person and as a player, it was just the best for me. Take us inside James Franklin's office uh, uh, from your perspective. When you're a prospect that he wants to get on board in a recruiting class, look, we get a chance to speak with James Franklin quite often here and what we do as, as media members, but it's a much different relationship, a much different vibe than what you pick up. What is that like when you're sitting across from him, whether you're with mom or, or whatever? What does he kind of send off? Um, he's a very funny, very energetic guy. Just um, like you can, you can tell that he's being real. Like you, like, like a lot of times, you know, there'd be coaches that try to get across a certain particular view that they want you to see because they think that's what you want to see. But you can tell that he's just him and he's going to tell you how he's feeling. And, you know, he's going to tell you how he's not feeling. And so it's just like, he's him to like the most degree, you know, and he's an outside the box guy, which again, I really appreciate that seems to resonate pretty well. And, and, and Bryce, when, when you look at from the football side of things, you mentioned uh, Yitor Grossmatos being somebody that, that you know, you'd love to fill a similar role down the road here. Is there anyone else, not necessarily at Penn State, but maybe just watching Saturdays or Sundays during the fall that, that you see some of them and, and what you do and you see some potential for you to maybe duplicate what their effectiveness is at, at the defensive end position? Well, I always try to... I always try to watch the NFL, so I look at I look at guys like Chandler Jones, like Chandler Jones, like particularly like him with him being uh, lanky, like I am, like just like the particular moves he throws. I feel like are things I can master. And then I look at Von Miller's play style, and I really try to emulate Von Miller. And I feel like you know, just like especially him with his ghost technique 
and like how low he gets and like just like the pure bend he has, I feel like I can reach that. Adiza Isaac, Jason Oway, uh, you know, a couple guys that are on the rise. There's a bunch of redshirt freshmen in there. You've got a big class coming on the defensive line. Ant- anticipating a lot of competition there, what are your expectations for your first year in Happy Valley? Uh, for for my first year, uh, I know I'm definitely going to have to work for everything. And uh, I know me coming early puts me in a better position, you know, to get on the field at all. But still, definitely, there's just, like, so much competition there. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to have an expectation in mind until like I see what's going on. Sure, I'll leave you with this one. Uh, moving forward, we know you're gonna get after it on the football field, in the weight room, and all that. Do you, what are your ambitions in the classroom? Um, if you're undecided, that's okay. I'm not putting any pressure on you. That's for your parents and that's for the Penn State coaching staff. But do you have any particular passions as far as what you'd like to study? Uh, my major is gonna be risk management. Interesting. <laughs> what what drew you to that? Uh, I'm just really. I'm really into, like, just, like, the idea. I, I forgot I was looking up jobs at one point. But then, like, I'm re- I was really into the idea of, like, consulting companies on, like, good and bad business decisions and educating myself on, like, what is, like, fiscally viable for companies to do. And also, like, the things, like, just not money. Like, oh, you'll lose clientele if you do this or you'll gain clientele if you do this. Just, like, the act of, like, kind of, obviously not predicting the future, but like attempting to predict the future is very appealing to me. And Bryce, I will give you the floor. This is not a question. You just have the forum right now and you have a a nice listening audience of people who are going to be cheering you on. What do you want them to know about you? What do you want them to know about this 2020 Nittany Lions class? I just want them to know that uh, like from, especially from what I've known about the whole class is that, you know, I hopefully I can speak for all of us when I say that we're going to give it our all and that we're going to put forth our, most effort that we possibly can so hopefully we can bring a national championship to happy valley well wish you the best of luck getting settled in here on campus getting acclimated to life uh, in state college thank you bryce awesome thank you i really appreciate it absolutely take care you too okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.